Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Hello, everyone. Today, I am very pleased to welcome Brenda Shelton, who is a horticulturist at Sawyer Garden Center. Sawyer Garden Center, exactly. Welcome. Thank, Thank you, you so very much for being on the show today. Oh, it's a pleasure. And, and what a beautiful room that we're having the interview in. It's surrounded by nature and a drizzling of rain. It's gorgeous. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. What we'll be talking about today is the relationship between nature and health. Okay. Let's start by defining what a horticulturist is. Okay. So nobody knows what a horticulturist is. Nobody knows how to pronounce the word. And they get stuck literally at the first syllable, whore. So I get called whore a lot. It's like whore, whore, whore. And they can't, it's like cinnamon and aluminum. They can't pronounce horticulturist. So I'm going to back it up a second. And I'm first going to ask, what is horticulture? And 10 out of 10 people could not tell you what the word horticulture means. But horticulture is the science and the art of growing fruits, vegetables, flowers, and or ornamental plants. So a horticulturist is an expert in garden cultivation and management of all of the above. Thank you. Now, how did you become interested in that line of work? It was fate when you are born into a family business and i was born into um, a dairy farm agricultural business you can swing one of two ways you either despise everything to do with it or you love everything to do with it my mom despised everything to do with it she thought that the farm was dirty and smelly because it was a dairy farm and it was embarrassing to be a farmer and she didn't like getting dirty and she wanted to dress fine like the hollywood stars that she admired but i came along and my grandparents raised me and it everything everything made sense and because grandparents have time to spend with you And I was one of those irritating little kids that was like, why, why, why? They would always explain it. So it wasn't just look at that bird, but look at that male cardinal bird. So everything was explained. And the more that they explained, the more I wanted to know. So I really had no other choice because it was such a natural fit Mm. that I couldn't do anything else. So where did the path take you? I live kind of a serendipity lifestyle that I've never had a game plan ever. And I know that's counter to what most people would think, but I've floated through life. And so when I was in my third year of university, my um, counselor said, you've got to pick a subject. You've, You've got to narrow it down. You can't just be a student for the rest of your life. And so, you know, I loved this and I loved that and I loved this. But what I finally did is that I got a double major, first in genetics, because I really wanted to understand plants, Mm -hmm. and then in studio arts. 
I had to make the decision once I graduated, do I want to be a poor artist that can't ever afford anything, or do I want to have a decent rate of pay by being a scientist that can afford art? And so that's why I went with that option. Oh, so well said. Now, you mentioned to me before when we met that you have owned a landscaping business. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I owned it for 30 years. And I started when I was 30 and I sold it off when I was 60 because I don't care who you are. A 30 year old body can do things that a 60 year old body can't. Well, now 30 years have passed and I've got arthritis in my feet and now I use a cane. And also where I was located in, in uh, Chicago, the whole attitude had completely changed. It had become extraordinarily toxic. And the customers that I had that were passionate about plants, they wanted color and they wanted fragrance and they wanted diversity. And, and they lived for their gardens. Those were my customers 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Well, they all retired. And most of them retired to Michigan and have become my customers again. But the new generation that was coming in, nature is abhorrent to them. And so they build out to every single scrap on their property in Lincoln Park. And they will have nothing but boxwoods in the front of their house or one particular tree. And everybody's child is allergic to flowers or bees or they don't want petals to drop on it. So there's this whole new generation that was buying these homes that nature is literally the enemy. And I have a friend in the landscape business. He, he owns a landscape company. He used to install landscape gardens every single day. 20% of his business now is landscape gardens. 80% of it is outdoor kitchens, rooftop decks, pergolas, out, you know, everything to do with bringing the living room outside, but without nature. Why do you think that is? It's a different generation. Is that the generation that I am from and the generation that my customer base was from, which was late 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. They grew up in a time when at least somebody within their family had a family farm or had a family cabin and the kids would go there all summer long mm -hmm. and they'd be in nature and nature was never the enemy and you were expected to come home dirty that's how you were expected to come in that's why they had mud rooms but then the family farms are gone and they're sold off and the cabins are sold off and the kids now have peanut allergies and they have to carry EpiPens with them. And so nature has become the enemy to a whole generation of families where they're 50 and younger than that. And so when I finally was getting out of the business, nobody wanted flowers, nobody wanted diversity. They wanted exactly what their neighbor did and they didn't want to fuss with it. They just wanted it to look good from the street so that when they sold their house three years later, they had good resale value. Do you think that it's also a byproduct of technology as it is, where 
people are spending more time indoors tied to computers and laptops and cell phones. And because of that shift, there's less willingness or familiarity with being outside. No, because that would be the next generation. These would be the people that are in their 50s and 40s, that their children are the technology ones. It's mm. the parents that are driving this. And the parents are, uh, like I said, there was no grandma to go visit, you know, on the farm. There was no uncle's cabin up in the North Woods that you could go and catch tree frogs and stuff. And this was way before hand sanitizer, but you didn't have that connection. You didn't pull a carrot out of the soil, wipe off the soil and eat it. You bought your carrots in a bag already cleaned. And so the generation that is always blamed for tablets and computers and video games, that's a much younger generation. Mm -hmm. Those are the millennials. Mm -hmm. And surprisingly, the millennials are getting into plants because they want to get in touch with something that's real. So that mid-generation, um, right after the boomers came along, they're the ones that nature is abhorrent. How do you think that honoring our connection with nature benefits us? Why, why does it help a young person? Why does it help a, a small child right now understand that being a part of nature and getting your hands dirty is not a bad thing? How do we get them to do that? Mm -hmm. First of all, it has to start with the parents. And unfortunately, the, the grandparents that would be teaching kids all this stuff, that would have the kids for the weekend, they're off on retirement phase. They're golfing. They're snorkeling. These are the people that I take care of at the garden center. These are the people that have earned their dues. And these are not grandparents that are sitting around and baking cookies. These are grandparents that are on the go. Seriously, they're, or they're in Florida for half of a year. Mm -hmm. And they live in a development where there's an HOA, where there's mm -hmm. a bunch of gardeners mm -hmm. that come through. So mm -hmm. the gardeners are the ones that get dirty and sweaty. Mm -hmm. And if the kids visit them at all, the kids are taken to Disneyland. So there has to be a conscious effort to make that connection again that we are mammals, plain and simple, and we react like mammals. Right now, in this peaceful setting that we're setting in, if somebody let off a firecracker, we would revert back to 1.5 million years of, of fight or flight. Sure. We would instantly revert back to that. Mm -hmm. I guess it's just going to have to be that generation's desire, like so many generations will f skip a couple of them and then what had been eschewed now is very popular. You know, like when I was growing up, you know, everything was Buffont and Jackie Kennedy, etc. So when the hippies came along and it was like casual and, you know, no bra and peace and out and communes and growing your own, it was so polar opposite mm -hmm. to 
the TV dinners to the, you know, streamlined mm -hmm. stuff that I think that that's what's going to happen is that this younger generation is the ones that are going to have to be the leaders in this. You mentioned that you are seeing a shift or we are seeing a shift with millennials wanting to know where the food comes from and yes. getting dirty. Do you think maybe that the younger generation is starting to see that there might be real benefits to having this knowledge? Oh, absolutely. Well, the millennials are getting older and the millennials are settling in and they're buying houses. And when you buy a house, you have an investment and you want to pick out that right tree. You want to grow the herbs that are going into your salad. And so now that they are aging into their early 30s and they are literally buying the homes, they've done traveling, they've done with all their great adventures, now they realize that they are halfway towards retirement age and they better settle down. And also with all of the programs that are on cable television, mm -hmm. you know, there's, you know, I do not watch HGTV. It irritates the heck out of me because I see all the flaws that are in there. Uh -huh. It's fate. You cannot create a garden in a day that is going to sustain itself. Mm -hmm. But they watch these programs and they become piqued by it and interested. And also millennials are foodies and mm. they're driving. They don't want just a tomato. They want an heirloom tomato mm -hmm. and they understand an heirloom tomato and they will drive out of their way to go to a farmer's market and meet the farmers and they may not see where the kale is grown, but they are the ones that are pushing the organic and the sustainable and trying to grow it. Um, and so they're going back to it as far as they can without having a grandparent or an uncle or an aunt's place to go to. What are other benefits that you see in your experience to connecting with nature? Well, the most immediate one is that people chillax. That when I hear from my customers and they make that drive from Chicago or they make that drive from Springfield or Peoria, you know, and it's two hours and you're battling traffic and you finally get here, every single one of them says, that the second that they pull into their driveway, they can feel all the tension from the city drop off of them. Mm -hmm. They realize that the sacrifice of making that journey to Michigan, first coming here on Friday, then going back on Sunday, is enough that it recharges their batteries to sustain them an entire week. What has it taken to become a, a specialist as you are in school? Passion, plain and simple. Mm -hmm. That's the word that everybody uses to describe me, is they'll say, I can tell you're passionate about what you do. 
and it's true. I live plants, I breathe the plants, I'm always looking at plants, and my world is beyond that. It includes birds, and it includes geography, and it includes everything to do with it. But there used to be an old phrase that really held true, and it said that plants took you from the cradle to the grave. Mm. Now that meant that when you were born, you were placed in a cradle that was carved from a tree. And when you died, you were placed in a coffin that was made from a tree. Mm -hmm. And every single thing that you touched and made was made from a fiber of a plant. Your containers were made out of boxes from wood. There was no Tupperware. There was no plastic. Everything was recycled. So up until plastic was invented, every single thing was made out of wood or it was made out of stone and you were tied to nature. Mm -hmm. You wore wool, mm -hmm. you wore cotton, mm -hmm. you wore flax, you didn't wear rayon and those came from plants and you went to your garden and you picked the plants that were growing in your garden and you had and you canned them and they went into glass jars mm -hmm. or you dehydrated them mm -hmm. and you had them in a root cellar so you were so intrinsically tied to it do you think that the field of horticulture is expanding no the number one topic among everybody in the green industry, and that's what we're called is the green industry, mm -hmm. is that there are no young ones coming up. Every single one of my vendors that we buy plants from is in their 60s and 70s. And their own children don't want anything to do with the business. They're computer experts and they're living in the city. And they'll bring their children, which are the grandchildren, to the vendors to visit grandma and grandpa. But there is going to become a crisis mm. that we are fully aware of. And yes, there are the little organic farmers, and yes, there is the person that makes cheese from their goats in the backyard, but how much is that, how many people is that going to yeah, sustain? Far between. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about farmers where, or, or people in the nursery industry that are willing to work in the rain, that are willing to work in 103 degree heat, mm -hmm. that are willing, you know, to be out there when it's snowing in April, and they're not out there. And the sad thing is, and I don't really want to touch into this, but that the people who would do this are the people that we're trying to keep out of the border because they have the passion for being in horticulture, but we're keeping them away from here. And so there's nobody that's coming up through the ranks. And these, these, these nurseries that are growing these plants there's no one that's going to take it over. And so the owner sells when they can't do it anymore and it becomes a housing development. When I started in the business 30 years ago, back in 1990, there were so many nurseries in the city of Chicago 
that you could throw a stone and you could hit one. Every single one of them is gone. Every single one of them. There's not a single nursery left in Chicago except Gethsemane up on Ridge Road and teeny tiny fertile. And then there's little pockets of them all over the place. But there used to be greenhouses growing plants in Evanston. There were greenhouses growing plants in Andersonville. Every single one of those, their children wanted nothing to do with horticulture. They wanted to play golf. They wanted to be clean. They didn't want to put in the hours that their parents did, which allowed them to get that education. And so they had no choice, but they sold the greenhouses, the land got torn down, and it's nothing but a memory now. Now it's townhouses and homes. Where are people going now to get their plants? We are the last nursery left because everybody either died off or they sold the property or the Great Recession killed their business. That's it. We're it. And so if you're not going to Sawyer Market in Sawyer, Michigan, then where are you going if you want to plant a tree or buy flowers? Well, then you're going to places in Laporte or you're going to places further away. So that's what it's come down to, is that you have the last vestiges of, and Sawyer's four generations, you know, that are hanging on and that have a great business, but all the competition's gone. I love my elders because I learned from my elders. I've always been that Absolutely. way. It's not just enough to be able to say, this is X, this is Y, this is Z. It makes more sense when you understand it. Mm -hmm. Why is this X? Why is this Absolutely. Y? Why is this Z? So if we don't have that nuance, that understanding, then it doesn't make sense. What do we stand to lose with the absence of that knowledge that the elders bring, that someone who understands and can teach can bring to us? Oh, we stand to lose everything. So if you live in dense shade and you are attracted to plants that need full sun, but you don't take into account what the plant needs and you are only taking into account mm -hmm. what you need, mm -hmm. the plant will languish mm -hmm. and it will die. Mm -hmm. But if you have enough money, you buy another plant and you buy another plant. And so it's not... Or you don't bother anymore. Or you don't bother anymore. But they, they buy more plants. Hmm. That's what it is. They'll just buy more plants. It's like, oh, it didn't live. I'm just going to buy something else. And it, it would be like if you had a puppy or a baby and you've never had a puppy or a baby and you expected it that because you like that puppy or that baby, that it would thrive on its own and that you wouldn't take into account its specific needs of whether or not you had a hunting type dog which needed to be exercised all the time or you had a tiny little mm -hmm. dog that mm -hmm. needed to be protected. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to respect where it came from. 
Plants don't just appear out of thin air. They have a source of origin. And maybe that source of origin is turkey in a gravel field where they receive no fertilizer whatsoever and 15 hours a day of baking sun. And then a person comes and they put it in the heaviest soil possible in a pot underneath an eave in the dense woods in Michigan and they expect this plant that originated in Turkey to thrive because they want it to thrive. Sunlight is food for plants. The less sunlight, the less food. So if you as a person need 2,000 calories per day to look the way you look, and I put you on a 400 calorie per day diet, what is going to happen mm -hmm. to you? Mm -hmm. Are you going to thrive or are you going to survive until you can't survive anymore? Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. making that connection. So I learned from my grandparents hundreds of years of knowledge, things that have never been published in books, that when I followed them around, they were my tutorial. Mm -hmm. They taught me this. Mm -hmm. My grandfather taught me that when the rain hit a puddle a certain way, and there was a certain look to the rain, that the rain was going to stop very soon. That's not in a book. You mentioned to me that when you were, you had your landscaping business that one of the ways that you really learned was by experiences to what you're speaking of now, in that there was a difference between installing for yes. a customer versus maintenance. Yes. How did maintenance teach you? So when you have just an installation, when it goes from, okay, we're gonna buy that tree, mm -hmm and you guys are gonna plant that tree, and then you're gonna walk away, and you're never going to hear from us again. You have no idea what that tree turns into. You have no idea mm -hmm. what that 18 inch by 18 inch shrub that turns into six by eight feet turns into, mm -hmm. and what its fall color is, and when it blooms, and what pollinators bloom it. So when I had my business for 30 years, I had some customers that were with me for 30 years. Mm. I did maintenance on their property for mm. 30 years. Mm -hmm. I got to see the life cycle of plants mm. and what happens to them. Mm -hmm. And that when the neighbor's tree starts shading out that particular garden, what happens to that garden, which was full sun, that then becomes part sun, that then becomes dense shade oh. and has to be replanted. Mm. So. It's the difference between going to a cocktail party and meeting somebody casually, and you know that they work for a bank and they're allergic to tomatoes, versus having that person that's been that friend since kindergarten, and you know everything about them and every nuance about them. That's the difference between somebody who's put time into the trenches, done maintenance, knows how long it takes for white peach scale to completely cover a tree, which is three to five years, versus somebody that thinks that it's a characteristic of the bark and isn't even aware that it's an insect that's going to kill it. Mm. And that's a diagnosis I made yesterday. Mm.
Hmm. Have you found yourself applying lessons that you've learned from watching nature, loving nature, learning from nature into other areas of your life? Well, nature is my life. Hmm. It's never been separate from it. Mm -hmm. So um, the answer is that I am nature and nature is me. Hmm. And you can't separate it. We could talk for hours. I am <laughs> so grateful for for your time and what you've been sharing with us. It's it's a very, been a very rich and rewarding conversation. So thank I you. thank you. What is your definition of what it means to be healthy? To be at peace. It's that simple. To be satisfied with what you have. To always want to grow. To always want to learn. Um, to not say that the best year of your life was when you were 18, and that was 50 to 60 years ago, but to always be that curious child. You know, in feng shui, they call energy chi. And I always say that a good garden has chi. And that's like a four-year-old child. So imagine a four-year-old child being let loose in one of the most beautiful of gardens. That kid never sits still. And that's what chi is like. That's energy. It doesn't fall into a dead zone. It doesn't stagnate. So if you always want to learn something new, if you always want to try something new, but you're at peace with where you're at, that's being healthy. I thank you very much. Thank you. This was fun. <laughs>